hope, maybe even for us. We need a lot more people raising the ruckus. Start making a fuss, start giving up. And get out into the streets, and there may be hope. Hello, you're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. The program is brought to you by 350 Sacramento, a local climate action group inspired by 350.org. I'll be your host, and each program will provide you with local, regional, and national news about climate change, as well as local calendar events, interviews, and more. For more details, including past radio programs, or if you have questions or comments, please visit 350sacramento.org. Happy April. The Climate Report is back, and no fooling. Climate change is real, and it's happening now. Today, we're going to catch up on some of the local big events happening this month, starting off with the fast track to carbon zero. So sign up today for the upcoming forum on April 13th, as 350 Sacramento will host their fourth community forum town hall entitled Fast Track to Carbon Zero. The focus will be on the urgency of climate action, what is going on now in the Sacramento region, and how we can think transformatively to make progress at the scale required for the climate crisis. There will be speakers, panels, videos, and transformative ideas, followed with interactive breakout groups, including youth activism, climate emergency declaration, Green New Deal, transportation, climate finance, and more. This is where you can get involved in speeding up the transition to a carbon zero community and world. So on April 13th, 350 Sacramento will host a community forum, Fast Track to Carbon Zero. This is meant to inspire the attendees to expand their ideas of what is possible in the transition to carbon zero. Climate change is the biggest challenge of our lifetime. We need to speed up the transition from fossil fuels to sustainable future and to achieve carbon zero within the time frame scientists tell us are required to stay below 1.5 degrees Celsius. With federal government actively hostile towards the climate now, the real action is taking place at the local level and needs to. Citizens are where innovation and creativity can make a huge difference, transforming urban landscape into low-carbon, highly desirable communities. Sacramento, as the capital of California, can be a leader in this exciting and ambitious effort. So come to the Community Forum and learn how we can get the carbon out and create a thriving Sacramento region. So Fast Track to Carbon Zero will be Saturday, April 13th from 9 to 4 p.m. at Sac City College in the Performing Arts Center. That's 3835 Freeport Boulevard in Sacramento. 
open to the public, students, professionals, decision makers, all are well. Cost for the event recommended $5 to $15 on a sliding scale, and that includes lunch, but no one will be turned away for lack of fun. It's not too late to be a sponsor or endorser. There's a flyer you can view online at the 350sacramento.org website, and that's also where you go to register. This is some of the event highlights. There'll be a panel on big ideas, the here and now, including speakers Katie Valenzuela, the Capital Director of the California State Assembly, Jennifer Gress, who's the Policy Director in the Mayor's Office, Shelley Jang, Climate Change Analyst with SAC Metropolitan Air Quality Management District, and Glenda Marsh, representing 350 Sacramento's transportation team. There'll also be a panel, Thinking Bigger, Transforming Our Region. In the afternoon, there'll be breakout sessions, including Transportation in Sacramento County, the Community Vision, Sacramento Climate Emergency Declaration, Youth Climate Action, Communicating About Climate Change, Change Bank, Change Investments, Change the World, Moving the Money Out of Fossil Fuels. Register now to help 350 Sacramento plan. Again, the cost is a sliding scale from 5 to $15 based on what you can afford. Donations, of course, are welcome and lunch is included. Scholarships are available, but no one will be turned away for lack of fun. Again, the location's at Sac City College in the Performing Arts Center, and that's April 13th from 9 to 4 p.m. You won't want to miss it. Public transportation's available, so register now. I'm a fossil fuel kid I'm a fossil fuel kid On the friendly side of the machine Getting high upon the fumes of gasoline I'm a fossil fuel kid I'm a fossil fuel kid Watching Dad scrape the windshield as it defrosts What's that rising from the tailpipe exhaust? I'm a fossil fuel kid I'm a fossil fuel kid And I seen midnight waves take my town And I knew right then and there not backing down Mama tell me it's a passing phase All this horror when I wait tomorrow Can you take it away? I'm a fossil fuel kid Should I be ashamed of it? I'm glad that I had a full tank of gas Undress in the back, eat on for the last. I'm a fossil fuel kid on a collapsing bridge in the vacuation grid lock, headed west. Never promise not to cry. I'll try my best. Mama, tell me it's a passing. Face all this horror when I wake tomorrow. Can you take it away?
song by the killers entitled the land of the free people are great at rising to the occasion in an emergency as we're seeing all too often on an increasing basis if you happen to be there when a fire or flood occurs chances are you'll pitch in alongside emergency service workers to do whatever's needed neighbors help neighbors and strangers help strangers well, we're now in the biggest emergency ever the climate emergency already people are dying and ecosystems are being destroyed we know what needs to be achieved right now and we already have the technology to do it we must face up to the climate facts go into emergency mode and throw everything we've got at restoring a safe climate. We know from our experience of full-time wartime mobilizations that amazing economic transformations can be achieved in just a few years when we face an existential threat. So let's demand equally strong leadership and action from our peacetime government in order to protect everything that we love. A climate emergency declaration has been prepared calling to declare a climate emergency. Petitions are available at national, state, and local levels, and a number of governments are adopting those petitions now. You can find more information on this at climateemergencydeclaration.org. On October 30th, 2018, the City of Oakland passed a resolution endorsing a declaration of a climate emergency and requesting regional collaboration with an immediate and just transition and emergency mobilization effort to restore a safe climate. Oakland's following in the footsteps of Berkeley and Richmond, becoming the third California city to declare a climate emergency and launch an emergency speed mobilization. Other cities and states around the world are taking similar action. The Oakland City Council voted unanimously to pass this resolution, marking a growing movement of cities treating global warming like the emergency it is. That means that the city will rapidly reduce greenhouse gas emissions and seek to reach zero net emissions at emergency speed and create plans to protect residents and especially frontline communities from worsening climate disasters and work with local cities, counties, and public agencies around the San Francisco Bay Area to bring them into a rapid just transition mobilization as well. Oakland's resolution combines the need to stop climate change in its tracks with a commitment to social justice, calling for a rapid just transition from an extractive, destructive, and racist economy towards equitable, regenerative, and local living economies that uphold human rights and the earth support systems. You can read this resolution at oakland.legistar.com. That's oakland.legistar.com. Now, other American cities are gearing up. The city of Los Angeles is also getting ready to declare an equitable emergency response to global warming as it considers a mobilization from one of its council members to create a climate emergency mobilization department. And Hoboken, New Jersey and Montgomery County, Maryland have also passed similar climate emergency declarations recently. Climate Mobilization is a national organization devoted to launching an emergency mobilization to restore a safe climate. They ask institutions and communities to respond to climate change and ecological destruction as an emergency, demanding that the only response that makes sense, that's a massive, just mobilization to protect humanity and the natural world. Find out more from them at theclimatemobilization.org. 
You're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. This one goes out to planet Earth. Listen, listen, there's a distant sound Yeah, Coming closer soon, it's all around It's all around Hear me, hear me, time is running out Come on Come on, tell them what it's all yeah. about yeah. Yeah. We're running out of time, running out of air yeah. Gotta keep it clean, show me you care Wherever you are, you gotta wake up Come on, we got a job to do, so stand up Yeah Salute life, not the general Play fair, with your morale We can be united as the nation For our planet, running out of patience We ain't got no time Come on So we don't have no time now So we don't have no time now Yeah Time to act, we got a world to save Right or wrong now As they used to say, more than ever, that is true today. Listen, you wanna be part of the solution? Switch it up for future generations. Level up, stop wasting. You wanna know if that's water that you're tasting? Stop playing with our future. My daughter told me if our planet dies, then how would you console me? Show me some responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, y'all. We don't have time to ignore the science. Kids don't usually do what you tell us to do, we do what you do. And since you adults don't give a damn about my future, I won't either. Together we, can do. we don't have time to wait. Come on, come on, let's go! We ain't got no time now. To ignore the signs yeah, no more. Yeah, yeah. climate disruption is arriving sooner than we were told. You are right. Three powerhouse scientists have published a warning. Global warming will happen faster than we think. They explain three emerging threats that combine to bring climate danger out of that year 2100 and right into the next decade. Our guide to the comment published by the prestigious journal Nature is co-author David G. Victor, 
At the University of California, San Diego, Dr. Victor is a professor of international relations and director of the Laboratory on International Law and Regulation. We're interested in this in part because we're worried about the impacts and in part because we're concerned about the politics and we're, we're thinking as, as the effects of climate change become more tangible that more people are going to, to want to do something about it because it's, you know, frankly, serious political action on climate change is you know, decades overdue. So let's focus on those three trends that will, quote, combine over the next 20 years to make climate change faster and more furious than anticipated, end quote. And point one is rising emissions. That is kind of a surprise to us all. Talk to us about that, David. Yeah, it's interesting. The decade or two ago, the IPCC, the same body that assesses the climate science, put together a set of scenarios for future emissions. And they did, as is typical in this business, they did scenarios where there's no no real change in policy, get very high emissions, scenarios with the various kinds of changes in policy, including scenarios that would bend emissions down, eventually have 50, 80 percent cuts in global emissions consistent with stopping warming at, at two degrees. And so there's this kind of range of scenarios because we don't know what this, what's going to happen in the future. What, what's interesting to me as an analyst of the energy system is that emissions today are basically on track for the highest emission scenarios that, that were published uh, a decade or two ago, which means that despite all the talking about climate change, there's not a lot of doing. So, so emissions keep going up. There's a study out just in the last couple of days that U.S. emissions were up, I think, about 2.8 percent last year, even though they've been declining for, for more than a decade prior to that. Global emissions are up higher than people expected. There was a study that came out of the same issue of nature as, as our article. And so when you take a step back from this, I think it's very important that we have these diplomatic conferences and all this policy activity around climate change. But when you look at the data and the impact on emissions, you're not seeing it. Well, the new understanding, which, again, we don't know exactly, but the new understanding is kind of double that rate in that, in that ballpark. And what we, the argument we made in our article was that it's accelerating. So it's not just that it's rising linearly at a rate faster than 0.1 degree, but that the rate itself is growing. And that's, that's what's really concerning here is you've got an exponential process with lots of uncertainty, risks that the system could really, the climate system could really get out of control, and that the system is being torqued with these building emissions in the atmosphere, and that's uh, causing exponential changes, not linear changes. The second trend that you pinpoint in the comment is the partial success by government regulations to reduce air pollution. Surely less smog is good news for our lungs, but how is it also bad news? Well, most of what you do to address other environmental problems also helps reduce climate change. But in a few areas, they work in opposite directions. And, and this is one of the areas. There are especially coal-fired power plants, but a variety of other sources, but especially coal-fired power plants emit a lot of pollutants. They emit carbon dioxide, which is what causes climate change. They emit nitrogen oxides, which cause acid rain and local air pollution effects. They emit sulfur dioxide, which causes acid rain and a variety of other pollutants. Sulfur dioxide is, is the one that we're talking a lot about in our article. And what happens to sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere is it turns into sulfate particles, which make clouds brighter. And so they, they actually ironically cool the planet a little bit. And the Chinese know that they've got a huge air, local air pollution and regional air pollution problem. So they've been investing very heavily in controlling emissions from their coal-fired power plants. They've shut down old inefficient plants, built new kinds of coal-fired power plants with all the latest pollution control equipment, and it's 
on and operating. And so they've very quickly lowered their emissions of these other pollutants. And that's been really good for Chinese health, and they need to do more. But it's uh, ironically lessened this brightening effect, the mask, if you like, that's existed on climate warming. And that mask um, has had a large offsetting effect on climate warming. And so as that mask is removed more rapidly than this, almost all the scenarios have predicted, that's contributing to the accelerated warming. You've already raised the third major driver covered in your comment that faster warming could come because of entering a natural warm phase that could last for a couple of decades. That's probably the hardest for the public to understand. Could you take a couple of minutes to explain why a natural warming may pile on to our greenhouse pollution? Yeah, there are a lot of different things going on. Let me just talk about one as an illustration. One of the things that people are concerned about is that the circulation of the oceans uh, might change. With In fact, probably will change with climate warming. And in the past, it has changed. Um, and so when the circulation speeds up or slows down, that alters how much heat it can be taken out of the surface oceans and put into the deep oceans. And so those are the kinds of natural cycles that could be amplified or slowed down or adjusted as a result of climate warming. And then that, in turn, would have an effect on the globally averaged uh, surface temperature and therefore would have an effect on whether we're, we're meeting our goals. Can you give us any examples of what governments could do for rapid adaptation to faster climate change? One of the things I think is interesting about adaptation to climate change is that politically, it's almost the opposite of controlling emissions. So in controlling emissions, you really need central governments to adopt policies across the entire economy. You spend a ton of money that affects organized interest groups today, and the benefits are far uh, far in the future. Uh, uh, adapting to climate impacts are the exact opposite. Most adaptation is local. Um, it affects, you know, communities that are affected by potential inundation from rising sea levels, extreme storms, wildfires, all those kinds of things, is, is mainly a local and to some degree regional planning activity. And whether or not you believe in climate science, if the ocean is rising, you've got to do something about it. And so the politics of adaptation are actually going to be easier, I think, than the politics of controlling emissions in the, in, in the first place. So I think that's the, the, that's the key point here is we're starting to see in, in the United States, for example, even places that have voters who are most skeptical about climate science, like in Florida, um, and voted people who voted for Trump and, and, and are thrilled that Trump is leaving the Paris Agreement, those are exactly the communities that are on the front lines of climate impacts and are being forced to develop adaptation measures. But there's no silver bullet in adaptation. That's lots of stuff. It's seawalls. It's nourishing sand on beaches. It's moving houses that are in vulnerable areas. It's bigger fire breaks. It's just it's a whole dog's breakfast of activities that you need to do, and they're all bespoke to local conditions. There's been a lot of attention to the U.S. government leaving the scene because of the Trump administration, and that's unfortunate, and my guess is that will change, uh, but it will require new elections. But at the same time, other parts of the U.S. are still there, and, and I think that's increasingly the story is to make real progress on the climate change problem requires leadership and, and, and jurisdictions that demonstrate here's how to control emissions, here's what it really costs. And that leadership is mostly coming from smaller jurisdictions and not big countries. Uh, and in the United States, it's coming from the coastal zones, in particular California, where, where, where I live. And you're seeing leadership from individual firms. You're seeing leadership from parts of Canada. You're seeing leadership from lots of places. And so we need to help the leaders do a better job leading and, in particular, help the leaders develop strategies 
that can be easily replicated in other parts of the world because it's you know it just doesn't help for a leader that doesn't emit very much to come up with a fancy way of controlling emissions. They've got to have something that scales ultimately to the globe. We have been talking with Dr. David G. Victor, Professor of International Relations and Director of the Laboratory on International Law and Regulation at UC San Diego. David is co-author of the paper, Global Warming Will Happen Faster Than We Think. You can find links to follow up on all of this in my weekly show blog at ecoshock.org. stop the world from spiralling into climate breakdown. We've left it too late to rely only on greening our economies, as well as reducing greenhouse gases to zero. Stopping drastic levels of global heating means we also need to draw carbon dioxide out of the air. But how? Exotic and often dangerous schemes have been proposed, but there's a better and simpler way. Let nature do it for us. When living systems are allowed to recover, they can suck carbon out of the air and lock it up. As forests grow, they turn carbon dioxide into wood. Mangrove swamps and salt marshes build up carbon 40 times faster than forests do. Wet soils like peat turn dead plants into stable carbon stores. The seabed is a massive carbon hoard It needs protection from trawlers and dredgers. And bringing back wild animals can be amazingly powerful. Wolves lock up carbon dioxide by controlling the animals that eat trees. White rhinos stop big wildfires from forming by preventing dry grass from accumulating. By eating crabs and snails, predatory fish preserve the plants that hold salt marshes together. Nature is our ally in defending ourselves from climate breakdown. A better world for wildlife is a better world for people. Spl-
forget to check out my other radio program on KUBU, Making Tracks, focusing on wildlife, nature, and environmental issues every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., right after the Climate Report. And be sure to tune in Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for Radio EcoShock and the latest on science, issues, and authors dealing with climate change and the environment on a global scale. Hosted and produced by Alex Smith. Don't miss it. You're listening to KUBU, low-power FM radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the Internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele, drawn weekly at this day and time. This program is brought to you by 350 Sacramento, a local climate action group inspired by 350.org. I'll be your host, and each program will provide you with local, regional, and national news about climate change, as well as local calendar events, interviews, and more. For more details, including past radio programs, or if you have questions or comments, please visit 350sacramento.org. There may be hope, maybe even for us. We need a lot more people raising the ruckus, start making a fuss, start giving up. Get out into the streets and there may be hope 